Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Niggas and crackers. Guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals. Hot girls and city boys. Saints and ain'ts. And, and all our Harlem family. family. Welcome, Welcome to your very own podcast. of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast, Harlem's Very Own, featuring, as always, your two magnanimous co-hosts. I'm Justin Winley, a.k.a. Mr. Featherfoot, a.k.a. Dojo Cat, a.k.a. Nate Robinson's disappointed dad, joined by my boy... Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Dojo Cat? Oh my Isn't that God! Nice? That is terrible. That is great. <laughs> that is great. The Nate Robinson one is good, too, but Dojo Cat... <laughs> Yo, French kiss. Mm. Thank you, thank you. That was thank that you. was tasteful. That was great. Y'all, what's up? It's Jude, aka Sexiest Man Alive, twenty thirty, aka Uncle Messi, aka Aku Ali, aka the nigga with the exaggerated swagger of a black teen. You know yes. the vibe. Yes. <laughs> Each one got better. Uncle Messi was really funny. <laughs> I got Uncle Messi from Full House. You got it, dude. <laughs> and then Aku Ali. Nice. Long ago from a distant land. I Aku the shape shifting master of darkness. I should have said that. Unleashed an unspeakable evil. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so we're gonna make it. Real Don't quick, know. real quick, Samurai Jack is the greatest cartoon of all time. Fuck Pretty all much. anime. Yo, fuck all <laughs> fuck Dragon Ball. Fuck Wait. Naruto. Wait. I don't care, nigga. I don't care. <laughs> Wait a minute. We wouldn't. Okay. We wouldn't. Samurai Jack exists because anime was popular. And then okay. Samurai Jack made fake anime popular. So it's all connected. You know, we had Toonami and then we had Samurai Jack. And that was part of the same. You know what I'm saying? Um, what was that show? Uh, not Cowboy Bebop, which is really popular. But there was another one that used to come on tonight. I never really got to watch Tsunami was the thing because my parents didn't really let me stay up that late. Yeah, like, mine either. So I, what's that? Was, catch? Yeah. I forgot. But anyways, Samurai Jack is beautiful. It's just, we love it. I don't we mean to miss everything. Like, I'll, I'll just, I don't know. Like I'm around all these anime anime heads and everything lasts like 40 years. So I'm just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired. That's, that's understandable. It does take a lot of patience. Um, but here we are after um, Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a restful and safe holiday weekend. Um, today we're recording is actually the what would have been the 44th birthday of Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace. And two days ago, it would have been the 80th birthday of Bruce Lee. That's crazy. Um, rest in peace to him as well. And Jimi Hendrix's birthday was also on that day. What year were sure they? Old. What kind of year were they all born? Imagine they were all born the year of the dragon. Yeah, that would be something. That would be crazy. Uh, we're not going to Google that right now. That's going to take a lot. No, but but that 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 is uh that is interesting to think about. Um, so yeah, obviously shout out to those two. Uh, another rest in peace to David Prose, who was the physical performer of Darth Vader in oh. the original trilogy. Yeah, he was voiced by James Earl Jones, but the in the body was British performer uh, David Prose. Actually, a bit of a Wait, funny just, story. The helmet off. It's that dude. Uh, actually, that was. 
I can't remember if that was him or if that was another another actor. I think that was someone else because they because the guy didn't. I don't think he even looked like James' voice could have come out of him. <laughs> so they had to find someone who looked, yeah, a bit different. But funny story about David Prose is that he filmed the Star Wars movie thinking that his uh, voice was going to be used, and then he found out in post that it was not. <laughs> That messy. they replaced him with James Earl Jones. Yeah, pretty messy. Um, but still a don't legendary. I don't think he did until like, you know, and sometimes show business can be kind of, you know, messy, like you said, in that regard. But um, yeah, he was still a, a legendary performer. So rest in peace to him and condolences to his family. But yeah, it's been a busy R. month. Has it not? I mean, it's been yeah. really hectic. Um, I think been busy, busy. What do you want to get started with? Well, I mean, we were talking a lot about the Tyson and Jones fight, Let's but then it happened that. and it was like It's anticlimactic. I Yeah. I knew at once I saw those rules, I was like, "Oh wait, you know what? No one's going to get knocked out." Yeah. You know, and <laughs> which is good. Really, it's great, you know, cuz they're like a million years old and great everything. <laughs> CTE is real, you know. Yes. Just ask Chris Benoit and his dead family. And, um, yeah, man. And ask Roy Jones, who's got knocked out like seven times <laughs> toward the uh, the latter end of his career. Yeah. So there was that. Um, but the the highlight of the whole of the, of the whole um, fight was um, uh, that, that that white boy knocking out Nate Robinson. I, I, Listen, hence my AKA at the beginning of this episode. Ooh, um, I no disrespect, of- Nate Robinson. I don't know your family or or anything. I don't know you. Um, but that was an embarrassing display. Uh, truly, I mean, not even just because he was going up against Jake Paul and everyone wants to see the rich white kid get knocked out. We do. But like just for boxing itself, it was very clear that these people are rushed. Like they make these fights and then they get a boxing trainer to try to teach them some basics for six to nine months in advance. And then they're just put in the ring with each other to to swing like a bunch of like you know siblings he threw the, one punch he threw he, one punch and i and i and i, and I literally going. i was watching the live um that xavier uh, was recording and i was saying like i was looking at nate continually rushing in and i said like he's gonna get caught with an overhand if he keeps rushing in like that and it doesn't it doesn't even take a genius it's just like the dude is coming in like this Put your hand over his shoulder and the fight's over. And, and that's it's not exactly going what over happened. anywhere. He's like three, four inches shorter than Jake Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Paul he's five nine. It's not going that's, over anything. Exactly. He just had to extend like, his fist. And that was the end of it. And it wasn't even like the world's prettiest overhand, but it was available and it put, you know, some Nike and overhead. Nate Robinson's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Immediate, sh- same day shipping. Um, and it put Nate Robinson to sleep, and the memes will never stop. I suspect that planking no, memes, will now the memes make a comeback. The moment his face hit the canvas. <laughs> but yeah, as far as um, Tyson and Jones, you know, um, yeah, I, I think like we can we'll continue to speculate what would have happened if they fought in their prime. But uh, I hope they don't talk about a rematch because there's nothing to, there's nothing to see. I like how Mike Tyson <laughs> though at the end of it was just like everyone worried about him, but I haven't fought in 15 years. He fought right. Like, five minutes ago i'm like which is really interesting because like everyone that speaks to what you were saying people had just been underestimating roy jones and not remembering that he was bad you know Um, and and because mac tyson is a mythic creature like yes (laughs) like the the highlights they were showing during the fight to like you know 
the the filler time but between each fight before all the yeah. like terrible rap performances um <laughs> was just it was just Mike Tyson laying people out in yeah. spectacular fashion. And when he became heavyweight champion he was twenty years old. We're twenty two. Yeah. And like it's terrifying. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was uh, you know they we always wind up saying, or at least the commentators always wind up saying that somehow or another it's good for the sport. You know, it gets exposure, it gets eyes on it. So you know that's that's good. I guess it was definitely something for the uncles at Thanksgiving, and that's Word. it was it was perfect uh, uh, perfect advertising. What you know about um, Tyson boy? Yeah, exactly. Snoop Dogg even said it looked like two of his uncles fighting at the barbecue. Meanwhile, Snoop Dogg is an uncle. He is definitely at uncle literally. age. Oh, yeah? He's literally a grandfather. Snoop Dogg is old, man. People, people don't realize. Yeah, he's 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 like, I mean, you know, for for not a bo- in boxing years, that is very old. In regular human years, that's not that old. But also yeah. rapper years, that's old. <laughs> like he's... How, he's. How do you age people, like... Well, it's. I think with boxing, obviously, like you said, it's the physical and any athletic performance, it has to do with the physical endurance of it. So like, you know, that's why Brett Favre was so, you know, talked about because he was like a 48 year old quarterback at the end of his career. He was, he was making it happen. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was entertaining, but you know, I think it showed that Tyson still looks sharp. Roy, as far as his movement, you know, wasn't, no, that yeah, Roy was still moving around. Yeah. But so and was Tyson. Tyson was still evasive. Yeah. Being himself. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it was really, I mean, he, Tyson never, I don't think Tyson ever really caught him with a face shot, but he did get those body shots in. And that's what Tyson is. Yeah. Not is, about the body shots. <laughs> like wow. you said, you could hear him. You could hear those suckers. Um, moving right along, yes, the the Recording Academy announced their nominations for the 2021 Grammy Awards. And I, I realized in looking through some of them, and I have the tab open now, that I really was not listening to a lot of new stuff this year, like especially in the hip hop category. I was focusing yeah, a lot more on, on older stuff. But, um, you know, we have an interesting, to say the least, um, collection of nominees in each of these categories, some of which surprised me. Um, but the one screenshot that Jude sent over was from the hip hop category. And of course they have your boy featured. <laughs> Gibbs, baby. Get, get, get the album of the year with Alfredo. Yo, yeah. it's lit. I'm that he, he, do you think, do you think he'll take it? The hip hop, uh, what's a hip hop album of the year? He's against Nas voice, voice to five, nine, D Smoke, and I forgot who else. I think it was one more person. D Smoke, I, Freddie Gibbs, J Electronica. J Electronica. That's the other um, one. Nah, it's I, a voice of my friend. Um, I, 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 I'm pushing for Freddie Gibbs. I'm not. I wouldn't bet on him. Mm. I think the pull that Jay Z has. I think J Electronica will um will mm. take that home because I think Jay Z's like on half of the album. Um, but Jay Z didn't even win for four forty four, did he? Oh no! He no, might have no. won. Yeah, Kendrick right? won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kendrick won, and I think he should have won that one for um. Damn, mm. it came out at the same time. But um, oh, what else? Uh, yeah, and then Nas. Nas is great, but Nas always loses to Jay Z. He didn't lose to Jay Z in the actual battle with like Ether and Takeover, but 
Nas and like Jay Z when it comes to like albums, you know, things like that. So he might not get he might not get much in there. And then D Smoke is a very good you know artist. He came out of that TV show with Cardi B and um, Chance the Rapper and Ti. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Rhythm something or? It was on something on Netflix. It's like American Idol, but for rap. Oh, oh, uh, rhythm and flow. Rhythm and flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came out of that. Um, he's um, oh, what's his name? Sir's um, older brother. So he's a talented dude and can play piano and speak Spanish. But I don't, I don't think he's gonna do much in there. You know, mm. I'm, I'm kind of mad that Griselda didn't get anywhere in, in those album of the year categories. And then I'm kind of tight that Pop Smoke didn't get any nods for that. He got, he got, I think, Song of the Year for, um, no, no, he, yeah, he got, he, I think he got like Performance of the Year with a Dior. Mm. Uh, a nod for that. I think he should win that, even though he did die and it might be like a whatever kind of like, oh, he's dead. He gets this anyways. Right, right, right. Yeah. So rap, the best rap performance. There's Deep Reverence, Big Sean featuring Nipsey, Bop by The Baby, What's Poppin', Jack Harlow, The Bigger Picture, Lil Baby, Savage, Megan featuring Beyonce and Dior. Ooh, yeah. that's hard. It's a tough category. That's a very tough all those, except for maybe the, the Lil Baby track, I've heard all of these songs a trillion times yeah. this year. I mean, Deep Reverence also just came out, so maybe not that one, but like the rest of them were on TikTok all the time. Yeah. So I, that's hard too, uh, because Nipsey Hustle died. Mm-hmm. And that was like a damn. And there's some people who feel he should have won album of the year over Cardi. Um, oh, yeah. That year. That, so what else happened that year? Um, ooh, that's hard. That's another hard one. I'd say like I, I push for um, Dior. Uh, mm-hmm. I think so. I, I think there's other there's other categories that Megan is in that she's probably likely to take, especially because this has been such a, a wild year a, for her, an eventful year. Yeah, and uh, a nice segue. Segues. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can definitely incorporate that because um, obviously she just came out with. They're calling it her debut album, uh, even though. Uh, uh, people have said she's, she's she's had four debut albums, <laughs> but um, this is the one. I mean, I guess the other ones are mix mixtapes or LPs. I know there are some definitions, uh, some differences like EP and LP is sometimes that has to do with just the amount of songs and then mixtapes. I think usually it has to do with clearance. Is this a major the, label debut? I think that also is part of it. Um, it's, it has to do with clearance of of samples, and I think it also has to do with label deals and stuff. So. But yeah, she put out uh, Good News, um, which isn't nominated for anything directly. Not that I can see. Because it just came out. Yeah, I think it missed the deadline. But Mm -hmm. I think she's in a bunch of categories with Savage because that came out over the summer. Yeah, Um, and that that just like kept us through, you know, quarantine. And it has has Beyonce on it, so. And it's been memes um, with Carol Baskin. Yeah. (laughs) Whacked him. Yeah, that. So um, we will see what happens with her. Um, I was surprised at the album of the year selections. It was a very, it was like just an interesting mix. I mean, they have the Janae Aiko album, which, I mean, we all listen. I've made very public my love for Janae Aiko. Yeah. But that album wasn't very memorable to me, like album of the year. I think that this might be a case of like, you know, the selection was a little bit, week and we weren't a lot sure of music came out though this year a lot of music came out this year right yeah. 
Yeah, they have a Jacob Collier album, which was very interesting to me because I didn't. He's like a jazz artist, basically. I didn't expect to see him. Uh, then they have one from Haim, who are a, a women a women's rock band, who oh, I've listened nice. a little bit to. Uh, Post Malone, Hollywood's yeah. Bleeding. I listened to some of that. What? When was that? When did that? That was very early. That was like in that was like in April, maybe. Wait, um, April. And then they have Taylor Swift's Folklore. Oh, play Taylor Swift's gonna win. <laughs> Yeah, she'll probably beat Dua Lipa, right? And uh, oh, Coldplay one. is in here. That, okay. And Coldplay, Black Pumas. I don't know. I don't know who Black Pumas are, but um, Coldplay feel. I feel like Coldplay should be retired. I, I mean, I, I liked a lot of Coldplay music, but I'm like, y'all are still, y'all are still going. <laughs> yeah. Yo, bro, that's how they do, man. You can't really yeah. retire from music, can you? I guess no. You don't it's, technically it's, have to that type know? of music. And um, uh, yeah, for some reason, you have to retire from rap, though. For some reason, at a certain point, yeah, I, because rap is such a relevance-driven thing, and it's like if you're if you're aged out, you know, I, I think like a lot of rap music is is focused on obviously the struggle, right? And so it's like once you get rich, what else are you going to be talking about? You already made it, and that's why Jay Z with four forty four. That's part of what makes that such a good album is because like, yeah, I'm I'm rich now. My life didn't get amazing, you know, and I and he's also making it in response to Lemonade and talking about. His infidelity and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. But yeah, uh, the Grammys will be will, will be something to look at. I know a lot of artists were um, they had a lot to say about it. I did find a statement from Drake about it. Hang on, let me see. Doesn't Drake got all this Grammy beef, but like continues to win sometimes when he puts out um, records? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I don't I mean, think he's in. The weekend was the, like completely yeah, the ignored. Got yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about award shows. Sometimes people say snubbed and it's like, okay, you can tell they're saying that because like their artist didn't like the one they wanted didn't get um nominated. But in this case, the weekend's album was like pretty good. And and also he hasn't made anything in a while. So for him to not be um you know acknowledged was uh pretty surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to find what he said. It's somewhere on my phone. But basically he was talking about how he feels like there are a lot of names missing and that eventually, you know, we need to start making new spaces for these award shows because they they do they do disappoint in some way every year. And it feels like they're not actually representing the people's actual you know. It only seems like it comes interest. comes down to the the, the hip hop categories. I never heard of country. Well, we're not of that culture. But yeah, we don't hear about beef in, in the country in the country culture. Yeah, you know, but we don't hear that in like even classical or jazz or anything like that. You don't mm. hear like, "Yo, we're we mad too." You would think all like yeah. recording artists would unite to be like, "Yo, these niggas are fucking that shit up." But, yeah, it's it's always between um, R and B and and hip hop. So we'll see what what shakes out. Um, I know one thing that, yeah, yeah, man, listen, we'll see. We'll see. Either way, it's going to be a lot more eyes on him now. Um, More eyes on him now. He's getting banned on Instagram. (laughs) God. (laughs) That's hilarious. I know if that happens, you will riot. I'm going to be so sad. I'm I'm going to delete my Instagram. (laughs) I believe it. Um, Moving right along. Next up on the list is something that I know a lot of people were very interested to get into, which is the Freshman to Bel Air reunion. I finally sat down and watched it yesterday with my mom. um, And that was really, I really enjoyed it. How's her reaction? Because I'm I'm sure she like watched it. I think that my mom, of all the 90s sitcoms that my mom watched and the ones I watched with her, Fresh Prince was kind of like, 
we didn't really get too much into it. I always knew what it was because I grew up watching Will Smith movies, right? So yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh, Will Smith did a TV show one time and and that's what it was called. Um, but I did not really I would I didn't like watch every season of Fresh Prince. Um, and so, but this was interesting because just going back, you know, the thing that I wanted to really learn about was that whole Aunt Viv oh, yeah. controversy. And they definitely uh, explored that. Before they do that, you know, they're just talking about the show and the process of making it and what it was like to come together. And, you know, I, I knew a little bit about the audition because uh, uh, I watched the Quincy documentary and mm -hmm. there's a segment in that devoted to, yeah, you know, when Quincy was like, there's this rapper and I kind of want him to. I kind of want to make a TV show with him. And so I'm going to make him audition uh, at my party. Um, and, uh, and then it, it, it springboarded, but it was just, it was really dope to see them all come together and talk about the legacy that the show, um, that the show left. Did you, were you like really into Fresh Prince? I love Fresh Prince. Like I would mm -hmm. like, like catch it on cable. You know, I have HBO Max now, so I watch it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, we all idolized Will Smith, you know, as young Will Smith, and I kind of like that. He was just like the cool, funny guy, got all the girls, you know. That's a little yeah. guy, like, he's a guy you want to be like. So yeah. that's what I enjoyed from Fresh Prince. And then, and then once the whole Amvid debacle got kind of aired out, I was like, yo. Yeah. Well, it was interesting watching because my mom, like, so when they do bring um, Janet. Uh, Janet Hubert, into the show and Will Smith talks about, you know, his conversation with her, reconciling with her. Um, what really struck me and my mom was this idea that was when Daphne Reed, who was the second Aunt Viv, she said, I ne I've never met her. And I think a lot of people got caught up in the, in the outrage of it. And it was, it would, it became easy to probably bash this second actress mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, you took a job from this dark skinned woman yeah. when really she was just, Getting she was a given a job. Yeah. Yeah. And she had no, she had never had any interaction mm -hmm. according to her with this, with her predecessor. Yeah. And so for, for the, for the documentary to show them embracing each other and like, and choosing <clears throat> to overcome that, that minds that uh, tendency that we have even to pit black women against each other, even within our own community. And the colorism too. Yes, exactly. Just, it was just so, that was really, really, uh, impactful. But, you know, just seeing Janet and Will sit down and acknowledge the nasty things that they may have said about each other. I assume predominantly, I mean, I, I really didn't follow it, but I'm, I'm, I don't know how much Will has said about her. I heard about a lot of things that Janet has said about him. Mm -hmm. And we, that's easy to kind of visualize because it's like, well, she's punching up because she, because Will is this mega star. He's like, the Beyonce yeah. of Hollywood and, yeah. um, and she's this woman who got blacklisted. And so mm -hmm. at the same time though, it's like, she can say all these things, but it's hard to credit them because it's like, well, you're just like, you're hating, you know what I mean? You, yeah. your career, your star didn't last. And that's why you're trying to diminish and you're trying to tear down another black man. Da, 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 da. Yeah. When she's, you know, in that abusive relationship, her husband was out of work. Yeah, and stuff that no one knew. Because why would I? Why would I necessarily tell you? Yeah, she doesn't have to tell know? anybody that. You know, it could have helped her, but like, eh, let me not even say that. That could be messy. It could but have, like, but then also you don't like it could have contributed to the stereotypes that mm -hmm. led to her being blacklisted in the first place. Yeah, you know, and 
you know, Hollywood doesn't really care about its workers, which is also essentially what she is. She's an actress. She's a worker, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever labor, labor they can get. And then she's expendable at that point that she's pregnant and there's no one writing for her. Like Bill Cosby wrote out for Felicia Rashad. They could have envied mm-hmm. her maybe when she was pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm sure Bill wrote out for her. I know Bill's disgusting, yeah. but like that's, that's yeah, and- another uh, image of a, you know, within a black show, someone becomes of course. pregnant and 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 Bill had more he had more control over the show. Yeah. Um he well, was Will I think doesn't it, have that much control. Like, yeah, it, especially in the early on. Mm-hmm. He's a he's the Valera, but it's yeah. I think at one point, if not from the beginning, Bill was like an executive producer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was really no one telling him what to do. It was interesting because um, you know, just thinking about the the whole patriarchal connection obviously rest in peace to james avery he died back in 2013 um but that was a very emotional segment as well just reviewing his impact on the set and his yo when they review the scene of like the famous scene we even see on facebook instagram twitter Mm -hmm. of will smith in the dad scene i've heard that scene and watched it so many times Mm mm-hmm and then I don't know why at that moment then is when I started choking up. I was like, mm. oh. I think, I think it's because they're, it's, it's just the realization of like the emphasis will placed on how much it meant to him to impress Avery, yeah. who he knew was this like actor with this experienced actor mm-hmm. and how he saw James Avery as a father figure in his own life. Yeah. And then how Will in the show also was, you know, how Uncle uh, Uncle Phil stepped in to fill the gap that, you know, uh, his, left. his his brother couldn't. So, yeah, it, it was like, um, well, I don't know. Was that, it's, was um, Will's father his brother or no, was no, it no, his no. mom's brother? Um, his, his mom, uh, his Aunt Viv is his mom's sister in the show. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's just, that's just a sperm donor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm related to anybody. Point. Yeah, at that point, um, yeah. So that I think that's what made it so impactful. But in, in thinking about that, you know, when the, when the documentary ended, I was sitting there with my mom and I said, you know, there, it's funny because I there are I would like to see this with other '90s shows, and I would have loved to see a Cosby Show reunion. But it's just not it's not the same. It'd be one thing if Bill Cosby had died, but yeah. it's in fact much worse, <laughs> fate, much worse than death. Yeah, and yeah. he's in jail for that particular thing. And there's no real way I think to to talk about it without 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 obviously ignoring what's going on with him now, and, and then and all the stuff, behind the scenes like what he's actually doing then, doing during yeah exactly during that time you know. So like as much as I. I love, I really appreciate that show. And I would love to see Felicia Rashad, Raven Simone, Malcolm you know, Jamal Warner. all these people come back. Yeah. Um, I think we should, there should be one with some um, family matters. Hmm. Um, Martin. I, and Martin I, know that, cool. I know there's some beef with Martin too, though. And, yeah. There's and, beef uh, with all of them. I'd love to see a living single one, but you know, TC Carson, TC Carson. Carson got fired. The, um, the guy who played Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just got it just got blatantly got canceled and he got fired? Because I'd watched he, the end of the show. He he got he got fired because I mean, he's talked about it. There's interviews where he's talking about like basically whenever there were there were disagreements between the cast and the crew or like the the management, mm-hmm. you know, 
they, Kyle, you know, TC was basically the one who was like the representative. And so he was the scapegoat for when like they wanted to make a stand and reprimand the cast. And so he kind of was like either, you know, either, I forget exactly what the final disagreement came down to, but, but it was basically this ultimatum that Carson gave them, which is like, it's like, it's going to be like this or I'm leaving. And they were like, I guess you're leaving. Oh, <laughs> and he left and then came back. That's when that other dude showed up. Yeah. 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 So, so I would love to see a living single one. I would also in lieu of a Cosby show one, I would like to see a, um, uh, different world different because world. Oh my God. that was a spinoff. That show. <laughs> That's just so really. Crap. It's just um, it it was a little too uh, after school, especially for me. I see, and yeah, I don't know. It pushes a certain agenda that I can't like delve deep into right now because I haven't mm. like thought about it thoroughly. But when I watch the show, I feel the stupidity and a certain mm. arrogance about the show that I'm that I'm not for. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I think that again, keeping in mind, you know, Bill Cosby was very into respectability politics. This was a show that he executive produced. And yeah, obviously ironic, right? So pick up your pants while I pull them down in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I drug your sister or whatever it is. So um, Mm -hmm. the, yeah, it was a very, I think that people remember it fondly because it, it is very tied into that HBCU fantasy and that culture. And so that's cool. But I, I would be down to see that. Um, I think just one thing as a, as a, as a wrap up on this segment that I, you know, I really appreciated. Uh, Tatiana Ali was saying like, you know, people talk about this show and they say black excellence. And I don't think what they mean is the wealth. You know, as as in like black people who are rich are better than black people who aren't. I think the excellence was in the way that we loved each other. Yeah, and I was like, that was dope. It, it was like any old any family. You know, I, yeah. I like that she said that. I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's actually really dope. Because when I hear black excellence, I think of um. You know, I know you use black excellence a lot, but I when I hear yeah. it, I think of Diddy, and I think Diddy's a fucking dick. Yeah. You know, I think he's uh, what did he do? I, I I just think he's a user and he's not very talented. Mm. He made his hits, and I'm coming. This is just me bashing Diddy. I, no, that's okay. Listen, and, and I'm sure we hurt. can have a future episode about black capitalism that would be a very long conversation because oh, that would be started. Because, but I also think Diddy's cursed. I mean, mm. this is something I pushed to LD, and he thinks I'm crazy. But I'm like, listen. All Diddy has done is he's not very successful when it comes to putting out artists. Like all the artists that you put out after Biggie have kind of flopped. 112, mm. Machine Gun Kelly, French Montana. Um, I haven't heard a good French album in ever. And then Oof. who else did he put out? Oh, Diddy Dirty Money. What happened to those two girls? Um, Cassie. Um, and I know Cassie was his girlfriend, but she was also you know one of his singers. And then The evidence had, is stacking up. She had a one-hit wonder. Uh, Mary J. Blige has a Coke problem. No longer. You're not great until the people around you become great too. So, mm. like, you have to measure your greatness with the greatness you put out into the world. The, the impact you leave, yeah. Yes, yeah. you know, you'll put out great hits for that time. But are you continuously putting stuff out with other artists? Like, I'd say Dr. Dre is pretty great. Mm. You know? Yeah. Put out Eminem, put out 50 Cent, put out The Game. You know? Things yeah. like that. Interesting. Quincy Jones, about. great. Obviously, obviously, yeah. 
And even James Avery, right? Because a lot of a big focus was that people were talking about how he, especially like Tatiana and Will, who were on the younger side, Mm -hmm. talking about how they really learned at his feet. They felt like they were really studying from him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, you're not great until you make other people around you great or the people behind you great, you know, like. Absolutely. How do you measure a good martial arts teacher? How do you measure a good teacher? How many kids you graduate? Yeah. You know, so. I don't think they did that. How many, how many good reviews you have on ratemyprofessor.com? Word. <laughs> Word. Um, but I think it, staying in this vein of like, you know, industry and industry abuse, um, one thing that popped up, you know, very close to when we were finalizing the topics for today was the Chappelle show um, oh, controversy yeah. with HBO Max. And um, I know. You know, Jude, you're a massive Chappelle show I love, fan. I love Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and Dave I'm Chappelle, so period. He wants, he wants me to not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how do you feel about it as as someone who quotes Chappelle's show frequently? Um, this idea that, you know, because basically for those of you who don't know, Dave Chappelle put out a, a snippet from a stand-up uh, short, uh, a stand-up set he did called Unforgiven. And he talked about his... Um, his comedic journey and how he's learned through a lot of hard lessons mm-hmm. that people take their money very seriously and that people are willing to take advantage of the ignorant and the yeah. innocent. Um, and he talked mm-hmm. about how he signed a raw deal with Comedy Central and um, it's locked his show into a kind of into a into a place where he can't he feels like he can't really creatively utilize it because it doesn't belong to him anymore um he made some noise about netflix putting the show on their platform and they removed it simply because he said he didn't want it there but hbo max still has it and so he has requested that anyone who is a fan of him not watch the show unless or until they pay him so i'm curious jude what your take on this is. I got my assistant's HBO Max account, so I'm not paying for it. So technically, I'm not giving HBO Max any of my money. <laughs> Loopholes. <laughs> um, it's it's fine. You know, mm. he's, he's an artist. He should be paid. He worked mm. hard for it. He did sign that contract. And, you know, under the guise of the law, you know, they can do whatever they want. But, you know, they wrote that bad contract. You mm. know, I'm not, I can't say he should have done this. He should have done that because he's, what, a, in his mid to late twenties, he doesn't have a lawyer. He has the money to have a lawyer mm-hmm. present. Um, he's probably not savvy in lawyer contract talk, which can be very tedious, yeah, very long, and just using language that you don't understand. Right? Like, what did he say? Like, we can use your likeness in any aspect in, of in perpetuity universe. across the universe. In perp- like, I don't even. I, I'm like, what? Like, yeah. you're gonna put my show in Mars? Like. <laughs> but uh it's it's solid and you know people some people are going to follow it some people won't but yeah it's it's a noble attempt to get what you feel like you deserve but also you have mad money he certainly does you have mad money man all right and i think also i know many people who are trying to find ways to bootleg your show <laughs> In absolutely way you will not get paid. Yeah. That's what they want because they love your show that much. And they're not yeah. thinking about you not getting the money for it. But niggas love your show. They will bootleg yeah. your shit. <laughs> and I and I and I think that's like that's what's so interesting about Dave Chappelle is that and well, first of all, with comedians in general, right? Is that the 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 secret to being a comedian is continuing to act like you're one of the people 
long past the point where you're not, you know what I mean? Like when you've begun to make millions of dollars, you have to still find a way to act relatable. That's why I, I roll my eyes every time Ricky Gervais hosts a, an award show because his whole, his whole shtick is like, look at all you rich people who are totally detached from humanity, but you also are Ricky Gervais, you know? And, 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 and so I think that with Dave Chappelle, especially being a black comedian, there's an extra layer to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one thing that people have talked about is how it's ironic that he's he's criticized cancel culture so much um, and that he's kind of uh, some people have said that he's like kind of hoping to utilize a form of cancer cancel culture in this in this plea to his fan base by saying like cancel me essentially (laughs) like don't don't watch my show unless or until they pay me and I think that it's it's an ethical thing above it's a business ethic things. I think above the money itself, like you said, he's very rich. We could probably look up his net worth right now, you know, but um, I think that it's, I guess he's trying to make an ethical argument. He did make a comparison to the me too movement. um, And maybe the way he said it was, that was kind of wild, but it's Dave Chappelle. I was like, yeah, but, but, but the, the heart of it, I think is, is valid. I mean, we, we see that monster. Yeah. Yeah. People, people get abused and they get mauled and, 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 you know, used up and then they can't really say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I would also hope that Chappelle would not only see this as an opportunity for what he can gain for himself, but also how he can help out, like we just talked about the people coming up, you know, I mean, Dave Chappelle has managed to remain very relevant for a very long time, but like, how can he help other young comedians avoid these same pitfalls? Mm -hmm. You know, he talked a lot about how he kind of has beef with Jordan Peele and Keegan Key for essentially copying his show. Don't have beef with them. I think they're fighting the same battle you are and they're talking about the same things you are. They're, Young black, not young anymore. <laughs> they're black yeah. comedians. They're black, and they talk about issues that have affected them in their past, and right. them as artists now. And then right. the solid issues that they see today, and they use their art to speak about it in a, in a digestible way that'll make us, you know, think about things. You know, like with uh, uh, my God, uh, us and uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. And then whatever uh, Keegan is doing, yeah, you know. So, and and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just I just think that like ultimately, you know, again, it's all about conversation starting, and and I think that because of the audience that Dave Chappelle knows he has, maybe he doesn't, maybe he thinks that a lot of people aren't aware of this aspect of his career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by him posting that he's hoping that it'll circulate among people who, who are more prone to bootleg anyway, you know, yeah. and maybe it'll make them rethink even that decision, let alone paying for a streaming service to, to watch his show or not. But um, yeah, I just, it's, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, you know, public opinion has swayed things. Um, we saw what happened with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie when Yo. they put out that initial trailer and everyone was like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Take that back and redraw it. So um and they did. You know, yeah. And and then the movie was, I guess, more successful than it might have been otherwise. Yeah, I still I'm, haven't seen it. I but I definitely 
I felt more like watching it when I saw the new character model. I'm not yeah, when he actually looked like Sonic the Hedgehog and not like <laughs> Sonic the Honey Badger, whatever the hell that thing was. <laughs> oh my god, Sonic the Sleep Paralysis Demon. Um, Word. Yeah, so you know, power to Dave Chappelle or not. Um, let us know what you think uh, if you listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. But moving on to something maybe a bit lighter uh, before we get into our main topic for today. Um, Michael B. Jordan recently uh, was proclaimed 2020's Sexiest Man Alive by People Man. Magazine, succeeding Whatever. John Legend last year, Idris Elba the year before that. And do you know, and just Blake a fun Shelton fact- the year before that. Which, like, God. Uh, people like Ryan Reynolds, George Clooney, you know, have been on it. Brad Pitt, I'm sure, at some point. Do you know who the first People's Sexiest Man Alive was? Jesus. Nineteen. 19- <laughs> <laughs> Like the, the cross. <laughs> oh boy, the blasphemy. <laughs> um, uh, no, it was not Jesus, but because uh, it was 1985, so many, many, many years later. But yeah, I wonder if you could guess. Um, 1985. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He was a white man. Hmm? He's a white man and he's an actor. Patrick Swayze? Oh, very close. No. But I think he did win, but it was not Patrick Swayze. It was actually Mel Gibson, is the very first people's sexiest man alive ever. Yeah, right? I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know what was going. I mean, I guess that was back in his um, his his Mad Max days, and he was a bit more like you know he's Mel Gibson, he's Australian, he's got like a Oy. edge to him. It was before all the anti-Semitism, uh, but, for sure. But like <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Marlon Brando, even because you know I don't mm. know chicks like silver foxes. You know, there's a reason why if, you know if they were doing the thing. if they were doing retro because by that point Marlon Brando was was well past his 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 prime yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah um but if they were doing like yeah, 1950 sexiest man alive then probably uh this is pause now. it's fine <laughs> well, uh, well the reason i brought it up wasn't just to talk about the candidates themselves but just because um and we don't usually do like hot news like this but i just thought it was funny uh uh Lori harvey right. and michael b jordan recited landing in atlanta for Thanksgiving weekend, getting so, off a Delta plane. Uh, my God, what what did I say to you via text on my Steve Harvey survey said? Oh, because yeah. <laughs> I, I I took the liberty of collecting some tweets about the scenario that I thought were were funny. Um, I'm gonna go scroll case. for them now. She, she she's really like going around. She was messing with Diddy, Future, mm-hmm. now Mike. Where's she going next? Denzel. You know, is she? No, no, Denzel married. Let me think about this. There's Denzel's like, very married. Very, very. But if you're just thinking about older, older men, <laughs> or how old is Lori Harvey? She's probably like what, twenty six? She's our age, something like that. Lori Harvey is twenty three. Yeah, is wow. She's dating, you know, Wallace from The Wire. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan is in his thirties, I think. Yeah, he's thirty three. He's a whole ten years. Older, someone put up a screen cap of Drake's uh, draft day lyric where he says, "Just hits, no misses," and they said that's Lori Harvey's roster. Um, 
Someone said Lori Harvey bagged Michael B. Jordan, put her jersey in the rafters. Um, someone said Lori Harvey dated Trey Songs, Diddy, Future, and now Michael B. Jordan. She's unlocking achievements like it's Call of Duty. Oh, word. <laughs> um, not men who couldn't even afford to stand in the same venue as Lori Harvey calling her ran through. Um, broke, broke niggas do enjoy uh, nah, talking about not, women, not that, but they. That's not Lori Harvey getting ran through. She ran through niggas. Right, which is why this she is my run, favorite. She running through niggas. Lori Harvey don't belong to the street. The streets belong to her. Yo, yo, she she went from like, you know, Diddy, the king of where he from? Mott Haven. He not from Harlem. He's from Mott Haven. He's from the Bronx. <laughs> Future, the king of the trap after Ti. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then who else? He said it was um Trey Trey songs. Oh, Trey songs. You know, Mississippi girl. You know, couldn't keep one. Could, he could steal one, but couldn't he keep, her. keep one. And, and <laughs> but that would be bad for his image. He can have a child, but he can't keep a woman because then he wouldn't be the playboy. All niggas, you know, have a child, but can't keep a woman. It seems like <laughs> I'm just Maybe. saying, I'm just saying <laughs> you know, you can pump out a kid, bro, but can you keep your lady? Yeah, yeah. That's the real test. It's That's easy. the real it's sexiest man to, alive. It's easy to make a kid. It's easy. Yeah. It's too easy. To, it's easy to make. It's way too easy to make one. For, oh, first and foremost, male birth control should be the only birth control. Yeah, if they find a way to to make it so that I don't have boobs, Yo, that'd be cool. Work out. That's it. Work out. <laughs> work out. Yeah, I, I agree, though. I think that, like, logically, and we've talked about this, but, you know, men can get more people pregnant than then then women can become pregnant like if we're if it's about population control in one year a man can get he can get a woman pregnant every month yeah and then like all those women they get a woman you know every day right really every yeah. six hours however quick your rounds are <laughs> you know what i mean like so if it's really about population control mm-hmm. um th- then we are the obvious uh biological uh responsibility holders yeah we're the regard. quarterbacks <laughs> listen listen it is you know, what it is you no, know, it's really like football you throw the ball it could either be a miss carry <laughs> or <laughs> or you know they could take a, a touchdown. Whole touchdown you know or um the defense you know avoid yeah, yeah, the could, mission. <laughs> or it could get stuffed or it could get stuffed maybe that's a condom that's the equivalent of stuffing a tick uh, uh, a quarterback I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, you get sacked. Sacked. <laughs> That's what it is. Not stuffed, sacked. Yeah, there you're we go. You're thinking you stuff and take down. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Um, but, yeah, this is just a, just a funny tidbit. That's funny. Um, who she got to, next, to, though? Who does she have next? Maybe she'll go international. Maybe she'll do, like... Rihanna's ex? I was going to say uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, No. Or like John Boyega, he, one of them. You gotta get Brolic. No, nah, no, nah, they gotta get Brolic. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, have you seen John Boyega's Instagram? Because he's kind of he's getting kind of Brolic. Okay. Um, Not he doesn't look like he doesn't look like shredded, but he's got he's getting built. Um, yeah. Or um, Jason Idris, that, that kid from Snowfall. Oh, that he kid. might be too young for her. <laughs> no, he might be uh, her age, which is too young. That's that, that's what a lot of people said about me. <laughs> Hanson <laughs> actually is older. He's he's older. He's twenty nine. Yeah, and that um, kid is gangster. But now nah, I'm gonna push Israel out of Sanya. I don't know why. I'm gonna push Israel. 
okay. You think she'll go for the MMA? Interesting. No, she'll see, you know, him dance and like do a cartwheel kick and And Israel is what? He's like 30, 30 31. 31. He's 31. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna put money on Damson Idris. So we'll come back in another few months and see if either of us was right or none of us were right. Um, but as we'll get like Rihanna or something afterwards. (laughs) Can you imagine? They would make like the the gorgeous, most gorgeous children ever. (laughs) Well, careful. You're starting to sound like a a black eugenicist now. A black eugenicist. Oh God. No, don't even get started. All right. Michael B. Jordan, you're going to get. Selma Hayek or <laughs> who else is mad white? Who is seriously white? Emma Stone. Um, they gonna pop uh, out a brolic, goofy me. They gonna pop out that? a me enhanced. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. If, if Amy, B- Amy Schumer, Michael B. Jordan, and Amy Schumer. Oh that's my god, about that'll be damn. No, that's like super me. <laughs> oh my god, Michael B. Jordan, and Amy Schumer had a baby. Nah. Michael B. Jordan, if you're listening, man, um, come on to the show and talk to us about white women onto Michael B. Jordan. It sounds like well, he was dating white women, I think, prior to Lori Harvey, which is part of why a lot of black women were like, "You a coon? You fine, but you a coon." Uh, they always so now that. everyone always says that when like you don't own us and I don't own you. Hmm. You know, it's a buffet yeah. out here. You know, we got to mix the yeah. breeds. You know what yeah. you gotta do. You know what I'm gonna push um shorty. Damn, that's, that's messed up because I don't know mad Asian actresses because you know there aren't too many. Aren't Sandra O. Oh. Um, uh, you know what? There's that My, chick. You know what? Forget this. Forget all what we just said. Aquafina and Michael B. Jordan. That's the couple of the decade. That's it. Who? Michael, Aquafina. Aquafina. I'm pushing that's Aquafina. <laughs> I'm pushing Aquafina. Okay. I'm pushing Aquafina. Sure. I'm right off. Why not? Let us know what you think. Uh, who should Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey each date Aquafina. next? <laughs> we're gonna take a we're gonna take a small break and then come back with our main topic for today. Yo, we're back, baby. Here we are. Uh, so today's topic uh, was something I wanted to talk about. It's a little bit historical. Uh, we just are, we're coming out at the end of November, which is um, also known as Movember or sometimes No Shave November. Uh, and I figure- or No Nut November. Or No Nut November. And there's a lot of uh, people who may not necessarily know uh, all of the details of this month. So I thought it would be nice uh, to kind of get into a conversation about you know, men's health, um, and whether or not Movember is, uh, is, uh, supportive of that ultimately. Um, Mm -hmm. so for those who don't know, uh, Movember was co-founded by Adam Garoni, uh, an Australian man, shout out Mm -hmm. Shalini, our artist, uh, in, uh, 2003. And it's funny, even the way that it started was very, um, macho. Essentially he talks about being, uh, sitting around with a bunch of his friends, drinking a bunch of beer and thinking about how, uh, thinking about fashion trends and how things go in and out of style. But the one thing that never seemed to come back was the mustache because uh-huh. it's kind of become labeled as like creepy. It's associated with pedophiles or, or cowboys. And so like, it's just either it's like creepy or cheesy and no one really likes it. So he thought and gay men and that too. Yeah. Potentially. So, uh, it was considered. 
it just kind of got phased out of style and the beard became very popular, the goatee. Um, and so he was like, let's do a challenge. Like, let's bring the mustache back for fashion's sake. And then a year later, he tried to, uh, he decided that he wanted to incorporate it into something a bit more constructive. So, um, he did some research and discovered that prostate cancer was the quote unquote male equivalent to breast cancer as far as mortality rate. Um, the research was saying that at the time. And so he was able to reach out to the prostate cancer uh, foundation of Australia. The first year had 450 participants. Basically the concept was let your hair grow for the entire month of November and donate the money that you would typically use for uh, grooming and styling to a charity uh, for prostate cancer. And so they raised $54,000 uh, in Australia, which was the biggest donation that that organization had had to that point. Uh, okay. Fast forward to 2006, November is in crisis and its four founders are bankrupt. Uh, so they're not sure what they're going to do next. Uh, but the next year they get reached out to from quote unquote Mobros from all around the world. Well, not all around the world, but primarily from the United States, the United Kingdom and Canada who want to bring the movement to their cities so Toronto becomes the first major foreign landing site for November. Um, and then it builds from there in 2010. There were 450,000 participants across the, across the globe and they raised a combined total of $77 million, uh, mm-hmm. which makes November, the Movember Foundation specifically founded by Adam Garoni, uh, the biggest contributor to prostate cancer research. Um, mm. And he says that the three program areas at the Movember Foundation are awareness and education, survivor support programs and research. Obviously now, uh, November, I believe has been declared national men's health month, at least in, um, I think, I think in America, uh, and it, and November now has expanded beyond just prostate cancer to include testicular cancer and men's mental health. But, uh, that's kind of the history of the movement. Um, and Jude and I are here to talk about it. Uh, Jude has, I think a fair amount of criticism, that I haven't heard all of. So I'm very interested to hear. Yeah. So it starts off with um, the article that you mentioned that I sent to you. Mm -hmm. It starts off, you know, they speak about kind of their, um, how Movember can be exclusionary Mm. and uh, just being a test of masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, get and, respect their opinion with with that mm-hmm. but my problem isn't with just november it's kind mm-hmm. of the whole idea of the having these months and having these charities and these awareness campaigns when it comes to serious diseases okay. or issues that's my issue with it so any i'm just immediately very skeptical of all that because of my um mother my mother when um when I was eight years old was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember this is how I found out. Mm -hmm. So my mom wasn't feeling so well. And then she told me she showered and felt a lump on her breasts and went to the doctor. Didn't tell me. And then she bought me tickets to go see a baseball game on mother's day, which is very ironic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, and then what I remember was all the baseball players had pink bats and pink gloves. And I'm like, what? Mm. And it was for Mother's Day or whatever. But then also, I don't, I don't know how... I don't remember how I did this. But I, I just went up to my mother and I said, you have breast cancer. Mm. And then she told me. And then it was scary. And so 
that's when everything happens. And then, um, and then, you know, as life went on, you know, my mom was in remission and then she was fine. She went through um, surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, all that. And I remember seeing people, because I would go to, you know, chemo with her and radiation with her. And I was, you know, see cancer patients. And, uh, but then as I got older, you know, I started noticing, you know, football players with um, their uh, pink gloves and pink everything. And my mom was just like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I was mm-hmm. like, why? She was just like, they're just making money off of breast cancer, mm-hmm. you know, off of the awareness of breast cancer. You know, we're selling awareness. We're doing this. We're doing that. Then we're giving money to, you know, but they're still selling their products and just kind of buying our um, admiration. Like, oh, they're doing a nice thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, then I was like, all right, cool. So that's where I kind of got my ethics of it from. And then I watched the documentary um, in my gender and women's studies class. Yo, Professor Wakeoff was happening. Um, <laughs> it was called uh, Pink Ribbon Inc. And about the capitalism within the Breast Cancer Awareness Initiative. Mm-hmm. And then the original breast cancer uh, ribbon was a salmon ribbon. But it was, um, I forgot, I, I honestly should have redid my research, but it was started by one woman and it was just her thing or a sign of solidarity. But then um, some company was like, yo, we want to put this on products and do this and do that. And the woman said no. And she said, and just like the Dave Chappelle thing, they just took it mm-hmm. and made it pink. Mm. And that's what happened with that. But then, you know, when you notice breast cancer commercials, these it's kind of throws this aura of breast cancer is almost normal. And then it's feminine and it's almost sexy. Mm. Like I would see these um, women who are survivors and they're, of course, they should be able to be gorgeous, whatever, but it just sold, you know, breast cancer in a way like it's not so bad. Mm. You know, it's not terrible. It's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. My mom's hair fell out. She went to my barber, shaved her head bald. Her nails fell off. She felt terrible the entire time. My mom was on steroids. Mm. You know, I saw some ish with it. And when, people make money off of awareness over diseases. I have a problem with it immediately. So I have a problem with AIDS foundations. I have a problem with um, autism awareness or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with Lance Armstrong and his testicular, was it testicular cancer? I believe so. His yellow band bullshit. I have a problem with all this because people are making money for what? Mm. Off of, off of you know sick people and yeah we're raising awareness we're doing this we're doing that they're not doing it feel like it's tangible enough it's it's not tangible it's not it's 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 not a practical way to you know keep people healthy you know and we can't avoid we can't avoid all these things you know what are you raising awareness for like oh my god i'm aware of breast cancer now what am i gonna do dodge it yeah you know i grow i grow a mustache i'm aware of Prostate um, cancer. And- cancer. What am I going to do? Tuck my butt? <laughs> I, I I hear you. Um, there's there's a lot of different things that you said that I I I'm I want to pick up on. One of them is just from my own experience. Um, you know, no one that I can really uh, think of right now in my immediate family has dealt with cancer. My well, my mom did have a case of uh, skin cancer, 
uh, many, oh, many, many, many years ago, but she caught it early. So she was able to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, evade it, uh, or at least treat it, uh, early on. Um, but my, when, when you talk about like specifically with the donations and everything, and when you mentioned like the autism awareness, uh, when I worked in retail mm-hmm. at TJ Maxx, we had a partnership with, um, one of the big autism foundations. Um, and we were, we were like being as cashiers. Cause I was predominantly, uh, you know, on the register whenever I worked, mm-hmm. we were a big part of our, um, task. Once those things were running was to get donations. Mm-hmm. And it was very like emphasized. It was like, cause you already have to like try to sell the, the, the company credit card. And now on top of that, you have to get donations. And they would be like, and then there would be like competitions for who could get the most donations. So even in that, it seems disingenuous because it's like, it why is. are we competing amongst ourselves about something that doesn't really, that may not affect most of us um, mm-hmm. and that we're supposedly doing for a higher cause, right? So that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, all the customers, a lot of them, if they, you know, if they even bothered to respond to our prompts. We're like, you know, a lot of this money isn't even really going to that organization. It's not. And, and they'd be like, so that's why I'm not really going to, I'm not going to donate because I know it's not going to go to them. Um, you know, there's, there's a cut being made between the higher ups at TJ, the TJX corporation and mm-hmm. that autism corporation. Um, so I definitely, I definitely hear what you're saying about like the, the, I guess the capitalism again, the capitalism of it. Yeah. I have a, a, a very close friend of mine named Ava who lost her mother to breast cancer right before coming into high school. And, Damn. uh, yeah. And she, um, has always been, uh, very, a strong proponent of breast cancer awareness and stuff. And she goes to the, to the marches and, and participates and she dresses up in the pink. Right. And, and it's nice. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, just, I don't want to, um, belittle her or belittle her. Um, this is and people like her. I don't mm-hmm. want to, uh, just kind of brush her thing aside. It's it's nice and it's noble. Yeah. What the actual people do behind those things is noble. But the big umbrella corporation, the right. big brother of all this, it's very sinister. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're selling hope. You're selling like flowers and dreams mm-hmm. nah give these people actual support yes amongst themselves they, and they can find and make connections that way but give each other tr- like kind of like true brother and sisterhood mm. you know or siblinghood since we want to be you know guys gals and non-binary no, pals yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> give them actual connections you know that they can make on their own and have support groups as they should but when you go on these runs mm. and wear the pink and and you know give the money to these organizations or they that might not actually do anything it's just sinister and just wrong it's 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 difficult because we want it it so it makes it so like it's why it's messy it. it's what it creates trust issues because yeah. like you want to believe that you're that you're participating in a cause that's that's right i remember you know even going back to um uh the black lives matter like the actual black lives matter organization mm-hmm. when it was revealed that a lot of the the funds that they've acquired have been donated to political action committees for democratic candidates 
uh, in, in politics. And yeah. not all of that has gone to the victims of racial violence over mm-hmm. the years. And so it's like, come on, man. Like now, now this, this rallying cry or this cause that we want to support is being invalidated by greed, just like basic greed or mismanagement. And, and it's really frustrating. I think that, um, I mean, I think that the idea of raising awareness, you know, because it can sound like such a vague, meaningless thing. It is very vague to me. Yeah. One, one thing that, uh, Garoni talked about in his TED talk was that he, he learned from a, from a participant who was doing the challenge. Um, he, like he had a practical example of how, awareness actually was brought because this kid went home for Thanksgiving and was participating in, in no shave November and their mustache was like growing in all out of whack. And so eventually a conversation started about dude, what's going on with your face. And he, he started talking about the November foundation and why he was doing what he was doing. And then that started a conversation between him and his father about how his grandfather had died from prostate cancer and so the son was able to tell his father that he was actually more likely to also contract prostate cancer, which led to him getting yeah. checked out and whatever. So stuff like that and isolated incidents that can mm-hmm. that can work. So yeah, um, but the, as a I also had things about I I, I didn't I had uh, screenshots from um, the um, from a breast cancer article that I read, mm. uh, and it went and I think this would also go for. All, all these things, you know, AIDS, autism, Movember, all that. It's uh, there. Is there a cap on the amount of money the company will donate? Has this maximum donation already been met? Can you tell? Some companies that indicate that portion of the proceeds from sale of a particular pink ribbon product will go to support breast cancer programs put an arbitrary cap on their maximum donations. Hmm. Once the maximum maximum is has been met, the company may continue to sell the products with the pink ribbon without alerting customers that no additional funds will be donated to breast cancer organizations. This means you may be buying a product for which none of your purchase price will go to breast cancer cause, but only to the bottom line of the company. Hmm. So this can happen. (laughs) Hmm. You know, does any money from this purchase go to support breast cancer programs? Any company can put a pink ribbon on its products. The widely recognized pink ribbon symbol is not regulated by any agency and does not necessarily mean it effectively combats the breast cancer epidemic. Right. Some products sport pink ribbons to try to communicate that they are healthy and don't contribute to breast cancer, um, such um, communicate breast cancer, such as a number of natural health and beauty products, especially in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers are disgusting. Other products have a pink ribbon in order to indicate that the company supports breast cancer programs, even if the company's contributions are not tied to the purchase of the specific product being the ribbon. Still, other companies give a portion of, it, of an item's cost to breast cancer organizations, but may require further action on the part of the consumer for the donation to be realized. Can you tell how much money from your purchase will go to the support of breast cancer? Mm-hmm. And then also some of these products can cause breast cancer, you know, some of the perfumes mm-hmm. women use, some of the lotions and creams that all these girls like to have skincare. <laughs> right. <laughs> My skincare routine. And but then, you know, they put pineapples in dirt and monkey fur. And I guess it's like it's it's it is very easy, especially when something is unregulated, it's not trademarked or copywritten, <laughs> to <laughs> just slap the pink ribbon on like you could put that on a on a can of of glade. And be yeah. like, we're contributing a, 
you know, every one of these cans that gets bought, 50 cents goes to the Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation somewhere. But then it's like, is it? I don't know. You know, and and that is, uh, yeah, that's really insidious when you put it like that. Um, mm-hmm. I know specifically with with November. Um, well, first of all, I have to correct myself. It's actually June that is considered National Men's Health Month, which is why it's so confusing that then there's also like this whole no shave November thing. But I guess because that was started in Australia, it got translated to America. But June, mm-hmm. which comes right after May, which is you know Mother's Day, Father's Day, Women's Health, Gay Pride. Month. And then also the funny thing though with this is like breast cancer awareness month October, men's awareness is in November. Like, mm. yeah, <sighs> yeah. But so, so what I was going to ask is I know you've you've talked a little bit before about um, the whole no nut November thing, which is this really it's basically a meme. I don't know how many people take it seriously. Yo, this idea that you don't I watched some, I watched about a year ago ejaculate or for an entire, for the entire month of November, um, to, I guess, prove you can withstand no. something. It's, <laughs> it's to prove that you withstand not nutting. And like, bro. So I watched um, something on daily show about it. And there was this, um, uh, I forgot what his name was. I, f- I forget. Everything. I should, I really need to write things down and <laughs> keep it there. You know, this show is going to make me accountable for taking notes, <laughs> but there was, it was, the no ejaculation thing has been pushed a lot by the alt-right movement and white supremacy groups Mm -hmm. because it was, it was pushed by the Nazis onto um, Hitler youth Mm. and uh, candidates in the Nazi army to say, it gives me strength to do this, but also it's a tactic of mind control control, or it's, it's a manipulative tactic Mm -hmm. because if you control, you know, my orgasm, you can control other parts of my life. You can control me. And then my way of thinking about all these other things and, Mm -hmm. and push on the Jews are the reason why this happened. Mm. And because I'm not going to nut, I can kill them easier. Mm. You know, I'm I'm focused. I'm focused, focused, you know, and it's just a mind control tactic to make them into the people that they want, the great Aryan race that they wanted, Hmm. you know? So that's the whole, that's a brief, very brief aspect of no nut November. It's very brief, but it's basically a a Nazi tactic. And I guess it could be, you know, boxers use it like, yo, it weakens the legs. Yeah. You know, I mean, no sex with woman, da 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 da. We can say like, nah, bro. It relaxes you. <laughs> it get, it makes you confident. It makes you like, yo, what's up? Like, you know, let's go, baby, let's go. One one of the things that I, you know, speaking of research, I mean, that I would have wanted to do a bit more of before this episode is like the the links between energy level and like because <clears throat> obviously excessive masturbation. When we talk about mental health in general, that is a problem. Like you know, uh, like that can become an addiction very easily. Like it's a difference yeah. between like, they're both extremes, like not at all. Um, nothing. And, not, and then doing it. Yeah. Constantly multiple times a day. One of the things that I remember, um, uh, you know, he might have interesting uh, interactions on Twitter these days, but when Terry Crews came out and talked about his, his struggle with porn addiction, mm-hmm. I thought that was really admirable. And I thought that, he was speaking to something that a lot of men struggle with. Um, and there's a difference though, between, I would say that and, uh, 
porn addiction. Porn addiction is just a fantasy. Yes. You know, there they can often be linked, but also and, there are people who watch it without masturbating and there are people and, who masturbate without watching porn. So you know, so that could be just an or I can't be aroused unless I have porn. That can be disabling, you know? Right. But to have the power within yourself to do it on your own is sure. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that and doing it a couple times a day is whatever, but like I'm, I'm not going out into the parking lot or whatever. You want to do all that, then you just disgusting. Right. Well, if, but, that's that's the telltale sign of an addiction to anything mm-hmm. is when you are making time for it at the expense of other things. When yeah. You're, you know, when it starts to affect your personal relationships or whatnot, or just the way that you, you know, you you interact with people. I, I think frequently about um, the the women in my life who, you know, platonic or not, my mind is so you know, because of how we're conditioned as men and, and yeah, women, same, bro. I'm so like, I'm, I'm immediately thinking of them in a sexual way. And it's, and it's like, I feel that I've violated them, you know, even though it was in my head, it's in, in a way, it's almost like I, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a difficult, like, I don't want to have to, I don't want that to be the first thought necessarily. I mean, it's yeah. obviously if you're attracted to someone, you're attracted to someone, you, yeah, yeah. It, it happens, but like, I'd say like, don't be so hard on yourself because hmm. like we are, you know, human beings I'm and sure, things, you know, these women things happen probably do it and it, ri- a little bit yeah, and it rises and falls, you know, mm-hmm. and um, we also, um, of course women do bro, but yeah. we don't think that because women don't like sex. Right. And They're that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, <clears throat> I'd say just bro, don't be so hard on yourself and just kind of like, I've had, um, experience of intrusive thoughts and just like sure. not attaching myself to to thoughts and just trying to like witnessing it and letting it go letting it pass so yeah letting it pass and don't fixate on it yeah you can see a pretty woman on the street or a pretty person on the street whoever whatever you enjoy whatever you like whatever you don't like or, you know mm. but you can notice just notice a thought and just let it be gone you know right. and then it also brings up something because you just reminded me I have another question later on though out of this but I want to get to it but this brings up something. Um, I was watching Faraz Zahabi, and he said something that really shocked me. He said that he doesn't train with women. Mm-hmm. He doesn't roll with women mm-hmm. because within himself, it's hard for him to kind of like differentiate that. That's very or, interesting. You know? And I was just like, dude. Dude. And I'm at not, that not, point. Not that's... that it's sexist. Not that it's sexist. Mm. It's like. Learn how to like control yourself. Um, yeah, and control yourself and, and, and like, compartmentalize. And let it go, and compartmentalize and let it go. When I train with women, I'm like, all right. And we said this on the show. I'm typically I could be their worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm six foot three. I'm two hundred pounds. I'm strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be worse. You know, I could be like <laughs> Francis Ngannou, six yeah. eight, three hundred pounds. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty whatever. I'm, I'm I'm substantially physically could be a threat. Just compartmentalized in just physical form. I can be a threat. And I need to get her ready. Mm. This is my partner. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my training partner. This is my friend. And I can also learn something from her too. Yeah. You know, I can see how she adapts herself to, to my physical body and see what she can do. Because she's a smaller person and she has to use her body in a certain way to overcome me. Mm-hmm. And if I maybe try to use some of her tactics, me being a bigger person and I can go up against someone my size, mm-hmm. if I use some of her tactics, think of myself as a little person, 
And when I'm already big and strong, yeah, I can overcome someone from a from a martial perspective. It's it's very sound, and it's also I like that you phrased it as almost a responsibility that you have to your partners, uh, yeah. especially you know your your female gym partners because um, because of the nature of the world right now, and because like. The nation of the world always, bro. Niggas is wild and always. Always, yes. Since since the beginning. Um, and the fact that I say right now with hope that it can get better in the future. But yeah. um, but yeah, so like the just it is, I think that that's very important. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, I think that with if if Faraz Sahabi, who would be I'd be another incredible guest to have. Love Yo, what's up, man? <laughs> but for that, like I would wonder, is that really is that like you said, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an indication of sexism. Like, Oh, I'm not going to yeah. you because you're weak. But like, is that, does that speak to something about his mental state that he needs to reconcile? If he can't separate jujitsu from sex, you know what I mean? And like, if he can't do that, because mm-hmm. that could affect his, I mean, he's a, he's a trainer, he's a personal trainer, he's a teacher. So like, yeah, as a teacher, you want to be as, as uh, open and as clean a slate as you can. And if mm-hmm. there are things in your mental state that are affecting your ability to properly teach, then that is something that you you have to reconsider. Just in your own experience, not because there are statistics on this, but like in your own experience growing up, if you look at um at the at the men that you've known in your life and the and the people and the and the guys your age, what do you think is the thing that you notice that we struggle with most, like internally or externally, if that's even anything that you can I don't know, cause it also cause I'm I think I kind of like weave through communities. So mm-hmm. I'm I know I have a lot of friends who are kind of in like more of a I, okay. I'll put it in like different artist realm. So I have a lot of you know people I'm around that I'm cool with that I chat with that I'm you know that I'm homies with who are like. Gerbo pop smoke type of dudes, mm-hmm. you know. This is this is how I'm putting it, you know. And then I have friends like you who are a little bit more nuanced, uh, who listen who listen to like, let's say, Chance the Rapper, shit like that, Childish Gambino. I'm a sensitive artiste type. You're a sensitive artiste type, and then you know <laughs> I could have um, uh, white friends who you know are just white as all hell, or mm-hmm. that or and then I can have uh, other black friends who are, you know, tri- a tribe called Quest kind of guys, or just into right. old jazz. It's also, I also consider myself having friends who are in their forties and fifties, who I, I'm actually, I would say, are like my friends or big brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just kind of all like changes depending on what they are. But I, I don't think it really, I don't think there's any specific one issue that we all struggle with i mean there is but i can't really pick one out right now because also you know we're, we're, we're all different yeah yeah for sure you know? i i would say that a common a common theme is just suppression like men or suppression and or redirection it's one of the two like men yeah. will either avoid vulnerable feelings and redirect it into something destructive either of themselves mm-hmm. or of others or yes. they will just bottle up all their stuff because we have to we have to perform we have to provide we have to preserve ourselves we can't afford to be you know 
you know? And women do that too. I remember I was talking to a woman recently and she was telling me about um, some emotional like stuff was going on, not mm-hmm. actual things, but she's just telling me like she feels weird. And then I was like, yo, like go see a therapist, shorty. Yeah. And she and yeah, she couldn't really, aff- you know, the times probably couldn't really afford it, you know, but she's like working out as my therapy right now. And people say that a lot. People say working out as their therapy a lot. I'm like, mm. all right, it, it is. If it is. Yeah. It's important, but I'm like, it ain't enough. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of like uh I try I'm I'm in the process of trying to be as well rounded as I can be. And yeah, I can, you know, have like a really bad feel really angry and feel I have a really like rough day and just like lift my weights, hit my pads, you know, do my push ups, do my pull ups and get like a feeling of like some kind of relief or euphoric, but I didn't attack the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't confront the problem that needs to be confronted. You and know, I, I just, yeah. I just put a lot of my energy and tied myself out and distracted myself. Yes. Yes. And, and, I, and then got, and got high off of, um, I'm, I'm not saying euphoria, but no, I got high off of the, um, endorphins. Oh, endorphins. Thank you. Thank you. That's the E word I needed. The endorphins <laughs> and the hormones that I'm feeling of working out, you know? Yeah. And it's great. I need it. But, you know, after a while, it's like, all right, man. What else? You, you worked out, you worked out enough, nigga, but, um, uh, let's, let's actually talk about this. Yeah. And, 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 and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and maybe your body looks different, but you're still seeing, you're still thinking the same things about yourself. And that's yeah. why, like, it's, I, I, you know, I think that oftentimes people can, I have a friend named Kira, um, uh, just a really sweet person. And I met her at Pace and she's always been gorgeous. Uh, but when I, there was one semester, uh, the semester I met her, when I came back the next semester, I noticed she'd lost a ton of weight. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like she was like obese. She was just like a bit curvier in the last semester than she was and that she was a bit thinner and i was like you, you know did you lose weight or something and she's like yeah i said what, what were you like you were doing squats in the gym over this you know just making my jokes like what was up mm-hmm. and she said no i just made some changes cut some people out of my life that didn't need to be there anymore and started thinking different and my body changed and really like internal changes can reflect externally like yeah even if it's something as simple as the way you carry yourself, your posture yeah. changes, you know, you, you, you speak up with a bit more authority. It, it's, it's much, I think it's much, maybe not easier, but it's actually much more effective to try to do inner work, you know, because yeah. then you'll just have more motivation generally, especially mm-hmm. if and you're it's dealing the with, work. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're dealing with stuff like depression or anxiety, you know, if I'm depressed and I'm lifting weights, like, I'm still going to be depressed. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's, I can, like I said, I can get big, but then if anything, I just feel heavier all the time and depressed depression already makes you feel weighty. Like, but if I do the work inside to, to unpack that and maybe even release a lot of it, then I have the motivation behind why I'm working out, why I'm building my body or doing any of these different things. And it's not to say that you can't find, there are some people who like have a very specific, like for example, Robert Downey Jr., Mm-hmm. When he was recovering from his his alcohol and drug addiction, he used Wing Chun to do yeah. that. And mm-hmm. he he because he knew that he had an and this is where it's like it can be a fine line. If you have an addictive yeah. personality type, you can trade one addiction for another. Yeah. But he poured himself into this thing because, you know, he would rather be devoted to that than like have to fall back on his issues. And it, it hasn't stopped him as at least 
ostensibly it hasn't stopped him from being a present husband and father. You know, he's got like three kids. So, you know, I thought that was really interesting when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been doing it for like 15 years. That's and great. I want to touch hands with him. Yeah, it would be it would be dope. Um, him and yeah. Donnie Yen, I gotta <laughs> I gotta uh, <laughs> roll hands with both of them. But um, yeah, so I, I think that that's like I, I always think about that internal changes. You know, not to say that people can't find something that gives them it feels like it it gives them a new purpose, but I do think that a lot of times we try to distract ourselves because yeah. um, you know uh, I guess like the last reference I'll make is that. When I was at a, I went to a, a sermon uh, at, uh, I think it was called Bethel Gospel Assembly. It's a church in Harlem. And mm-hmm. Dr. Matthew Stevenson was there. He was speaking. He's a, um, a pastor from Chicago. And he was talking about how a lot of us are focused on, we're like, we're called human beings, but we focus on what we do. And we try to make the things that we do who we are. As opposed yeah. to finding out who we are and then doing from that, right? So it's like someone asks who you are, and you're like, oh, well, I'm an actor, I'm a cook, I'm a dancer. And like, that's what you do. And like, it's tricky with artists because it's like, I was born to do this, you know? So I get oh, that God. level, I get that level of expression. Artists. But like, but really, like, no, that's, that's what you do. But who are you? And, and, and I think that like, especially in our generation and with the, with the, with Instagram and social media, and it gets glorified too. Yes, exactly. I'm hearing this from martial arts too. Like, I'm a fighter. I was born for mm-hmm. this. I'm, you know, I was born in the trenches of Spartacus. And, you know, like, <laughs> like I you was were born, born, born in the pit. Yeah, <laughs> I was born in the dark, molded by it. Yeah, or like I was born in the trenches. Exactly. You know, like, come on, nigga. No, you're you're X Y Z. You're you're you. And and it gets into nature versus nurture, sure. Sometimes yeah. people can't separate how they were raised from who they are. How I was raised made me who I am, and so it's, it's so messy. It's not messy in the terms of yo. This is messy, but there's a lot. It's, it's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Yes, it's very it's complex for sure. Um, and it's just I I mean this is something that we can probably revisit in the future. How we get here? <laughs> just because you know we're talking about men men and things that we deal with, but I think you know Look, and back. I'm sorry to interrupt again. But this is the question I wanted to circle back to. Oh, yeah. So with all this awareness stuff, um, and people are like, we need to do this, change this about, you know, we, ha- we have to go to, because um, also the thing that they promote with Movember, like getting screened, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's also questions with that because, you know, there's some, uh, some of the things that they say aren't all correct mm-hmm. from some articles that I've read. And then um, same with breast cancer, getting screened, getting this, getting that. But, and there's always almost also this pressure to, you know, care about your body, mm-hmm. to care about your physical being. There's a pressure within like our, you know, human to human culture, but then also we're also pushed to work all the damn time from our job. So that culture actually hasn't actually changed. So is it that we have to, uh, you know, always just take care of our body or should our culture really promote and then our, you know, jobs and our government should actually promote us really taking care of ourselves truly, especially during COVID. Mm. But how do we like really push the importance of actually taking care of ourselves so we can put, push out a better environment and a better world that Mm. we all can live in, Yeah, you know, to actually, you know, to actually like not have to worry about sick pay um, to, 
worry about going to the doctor's office or whatever. Yeah. But actually like, yo, you need to go here. You need to go there because we need to make a, make everything yeah. better and substantial for all of us Yeah, to actually promote that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have like a, an answer, but I do think that that's an important question because people treat their environments the way they view themselves. So Mm -hmm. if you have a negative view of yourself, then you're going to, you know, you're going to uh, put that on other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think that focusing on building ourselves up in positive ways is, you know, I, I really think that that does have a domino effect on, on things like, you know, um, community organization or even environmentalism or anything like that, because, you know, we have more value in ourselves. We want to, we want to put that value back into the, into our environment. And, uh, like you said, like you said, again, this has been a very reciprocal episode because like you said, the measure, one measure of greatness, at least one, if not the top one is if you, is the greatness that you leave behind you. Right. And if you can Mm -hmm. make other people great. So, um, It's, it's the same principle. Absolutely. Um, you know, here we are philosophizing. You know, y'all yeah, know how I told you, bro. We <laughs> philosophical gangsters. <laughs> y'all know how we play do. a little bit. Yeah. yeah man. Um, but no, that, that was, that's a great question. Um, to, I think to end it on and to leave our listeners with, um, real quick, I wanted to play a game with you. Oh, okay. Would you rather? Oh, <laughs> all right. Did you develop? Uh, did you come up with some? I'm coming. I'm coming up with a couple. I'm coming up with a couple. So, would you rather? Okay. All right. Let's go with. Uh, let's go with something you know deadly. Would you rather fight? Uh, would you rather fight a shark or fight a gorilla? Okay. Well, I can't swim, so automatically, me fighting a shark is not going to turn out well. However. The th- <laughs> the thing because either way the- you're gonna die, Justin. Probably, yeah. The thing about the gorilla <laughs> is, um, I guess I would rather fight the gorilla because if I'm fighting a shark, it's like a bunch of things happening. Like I'm getting bitten up, but I'm also drowning, and it's just a, an overall unpleasant sensation. Whereas uh, if I'm fighting a gorilla, maybe it just bashes me on the head. And it's kind of over, or it might actually just beat my chest in. I think that's how they actually fight. It, it's not going to be a pretty death, uh, but I think I'd rather go with the gorilla because at least I'm on my feet. I can like move around. I can pick stuff up. You know, mm-hmm. that's me. Which one would you rather do? The shark? I think, <laughs> I, listen, uh, I think maybe the shark because- You could deck a shark and it might leave you alone, maybe. Actually, no, maybe not because- the the you trying to move your fist in water is not gonna really work. Yo, yo, you'd be surprised. Hmm. Um, but um hmm. the thing with the shark though is um I could probably go into shock and not hmm. feel anything. It depends you know, on how long my, you can hold your breath too. You know, also like my adrenaline could be pumping. You know, same with the the gorilla, but I feel like being on land, it's yeah. also that maybe like also that hope is also de- defeating like mm. oh my god there's there's possibly a chance if i get to the no like a shark gets me and drags me down i'm gone mm. you know mm-hmm. but like i'm rolling around on the ground and like like trying so hard to like you escape. 
you might could if you get a rear naked choke on a silverback, you might could put it to sleep. Okay. All right. So get you know how broad a gorilla is, man. I know they, they are broad. They don't have a neck. They don't have a neck. <laughs> it's like yeah. as I'm thinking, you know, it's like the it's like the their shoulders the chest, go right the into their chair. You know, they, they don't have a neck. It's it's a shoulder and head. Also, they would just their their arms are longer, so they could reach and f- pull you off their back. Probably, yeah, no, maybe not. It's not the and same sleep. as choking out a tiger because they don't have the yeah. articulation of. And tigers, you can like shove your arm down their throat because they have like a very severe gag reflex. Ah. so don't so, so they don't be giving head to each other. I, I, think with, <laughs> I think with sharks though, like their gills are sensitive, so you have to like attack the gills. That's what you got to do. Really you're the zoologist. <laughs> you have to get the yeah. In order to get them off you, you know, if you're really in a situation where they're not, because most of it is like exploratory bites, but the bite is still gonna you're still gonna be bleeding. You know, you could still bleed out even if they're not yeah. actually trying to harm you. So yeah, but I, I yeah, it's like it's like telling that white girl who uh, got her arm bit off by a shark, like it's just an exploratory bite. Like my arm yes. is gone. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe now that I'm talking about it more, I would rather go with the shark in a world where I could swim because I feel. I feel that I could like I would like I target the gills. I feel like I don't know one specific way to not just piss off a gorilla more. Like I don't know I don't know that they have any weak points or that they're scared of anything. So I would probably just go with the shark. But that's a, that's an interesting one. All right, I got two more for you. Okay. Would you rather be with Janae Aiko or Ari Lennox? Now see. <laughs> see wow. i'm your co-host i'm your brother you hate me <laughs> you're also trying to set me up um so yeah i am to okay uh i'm gonna i'm actually gonna answer this from the experience of having had kind of like a a pseudo relationship with another with another aries before which ari lennox is an aries and i feel like i'm with one right now huh i'm with one right now <laughs> right and I feel like two Aries people are bound to butt heads a lot. Um, and that we can have like, we can have friendships. Like I'm friends with Saya. I'm friends with a, a ton of Aries. Um, but I don't know if like we can have elongated contact with each other. I feel that usually we'd be, we're probably better just as friends, even though there is that level of chemistry because of the fire signs and the heat and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Jenna because I just think that if I were actually like with Ari Lennox for an extended period of time, we'd probably get sick of each other. Mm-hmm. But if we were like pals and we just like FaceTimed each other every now and then we'd be lit. Um, but that is a very tough question. Um, because I love Ari Lennox and she knows this because she listens to the show. Yeah. I think I'd go with Jenna. Uh, and I, and also like, I've just, I've been into Jenna longer and she's been active longer. So in that case, I'd probably choose Jenna. Understood. Understood. All right. And the final one for you is who would you want to co-star with Marlon Brando or Sean Connery? Hmm. Um, actually, I think Sean Connery, because Marlon Brando, as great as he was, he did have a reputation for being kind of arrogant and like, mm-hmm. like he didn't memorize his lines. 
a lot mm. of the time he had to hold people had to hold up cue cards for him um and he seemed like the type of guy who just knew that he was great and like there are people who were confident there are people who like are overconfident and egocentric and i think marlon brando was a little bit of the latter um not that it wouldn't have been great to like be in something with him and then say like i could i acted alongside marlon brando but sean connery i think was a bit more professional i never really heard anything about him being like like flipping out on anybody on set and also um i think that i i learned about again it's a case of who came first because i knew about sean connery longer because i grew up watching that uh, the league of extraordinary gentlemen uh, which was his last movie actually uh and so i've kind of always just had an, an affinity for him um so yeah, I think I go with with Connery. Respect. I wish I prepared some for you. I I I'll have to do it in our next episode uh, potentially. Just 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 spring them on you. But um, you know, it's like a little a little thing I wanted to add. You know, a little a little game to add the fun. Yeah, little, yeah, little it's game. nice. Little little game. Spice it up toward the end. Um. So as always, here on HBO, we'd like to end things on a positive note. Yes, sir. Um. What are your songs of the week? Okay, so I have. Oh my God, I need to get my my um thing up, my Apple Music up. Da, 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 da. Let me go to my playlist. But off the top is um a song by The Game that came out. It, it came out, like, it got leaked mm. last year, but then it came out officially. And I was like, <gasps> it's lit. It's called AI with the Braids with uh, Lil Wayne. Mm. And it's, it's about Alan Iverson, and it's fucking dope. And then... uh. Juicy J just came out with uh, an album, and uh, there's a song on there with J Rock, and it's uh, "Memphis to LA" by Juicy okay. J. And then the third one will be. Let me throw in some something hilarious. Will you be like, "What, Jude?" Um, eye to Eye from a Goofy movie. <laughs> You and these animated movie picks. I got to – okay. Okay. Interesting. Eye to Eye is like the You didn't greatest. say that one last time. There was a Goofy movie that you said last time, I think. But did I don't I say, know if it was oh, that one. No. Or it was Wait. Then I, then I did say that. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Then um, – all right. That'll be hilarious. The first song that's coming up to my side, Beautiful Soul by Justin McCartney. <laughs> okay. Bet. Um, I have been on a bit of a, a house kick recently. Um, house music and like house remixes to stuff. So I've been replaying uh, this remix to Marvin Gaye's I Want You. Uh, it's by John Morales. It's like a nine, nine and a half minute mix. It's just like, so you could just put it on and just like, you could clean a house, you could dance. It's it's great. So that's one. Um, I've also been enjoying a song from Mama by Boys to Men mm, and um, Stuck by Duran Bernard and Ari Lennox uh, is a pretty, is a pretty fun one. Uh, for me so that concludes this episode of hvo if you want more uptown love you can find our podcast on spotify apple music anywhere you enjoy listening to your podcast follow us at uh, hvo pod on instagram and twitter and you can follow us individually on instagram at winley and at sinbad Stefanucci, and on twitter at winley and at megan thank you guys for the support thank you very much sharing and listening um blessings and excellence as always be easy Deuces. Peace on me.